Blog Talk Radio. The funeral is about to begin. The calling hours. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. of The Calling Hours on Horror Society Radio. This is your host, Michael Jones, the dead man from Horror Society. How are we doing tonight, ladies and gentlemen? We're going to do something a little bit different this evening. Tonight, the dead man is going to host the show by himself, and I think it'll go well. We do have a tremendous show planned for this evening with a bevy of guests. So I kind of think having a a co-host tonight, probably everyone would have been tripping over one another. But this evening, we are going to have the cast and crew of Fright Tech Pictures' new film, Candyland. We're going to have on uh, uh, director Eddie Langell. Uh, We're going to have stars and producers Don Kilrain and Janine Bowles-Sarnowski. We're also going to have actress Tina Grimm and Ash Cat, who was the composer for the film. Um, I've also been told to keep an eye out. There may be several other members of the cast and crew that could be calling in, possibly fans. There are two names. I don't want to jinx anything. Feelers were put out. Ari Lehman and Lisa Neeld were also in this film, and the director and I have both... uh, sent invitations for them to join us this evening, so you never know. We could we could be joined by a uh, centerfold model and the original Jason as well. But even if they do not show up, uh, it is still going to be an absolutely fantastic evening interviewing these great people and talking about the film Candyland. We will also be reviewing Screen Factory's The Amityville Horror out of the Amityville Horror Trilogy box set. And I can't wait till we get to that because I got to tell you, I, I was absolutely stunned and blown away by the quality of the disc and everything that's on it. But we'll get into that in our second hour as, as we begin to close out the show. Scream Factory was also nice enough to send out several Blu-rays and DVDs for giveaway this evening. So what I'm thinking about doing is right about the 9.35 hour, maybe we'll do one here in a few minutes. I haven't decided. I have a bunch of stuff to give away. I just received the Blu-ray copies of 
Killing Visions, which is five short films uh, being released. Uh, it doesn't street for a couple of days, I believe, but I do have a copy of that to give away. I also have a Blu-ray copy of Psycho 2 and Psycho 3 to give away. And I also have a standard definition Screen Factory release of George A. Romero's Day of the Dead. So depending on my mood, we may decide to do two giveaways this evening. We may have one early, and then we may have one later. So keep an eye out for that. I think I think they're pretty good movies, you know. It, it doesn't hurt to... Uh, doesn't hurt to take a look at uh, what they got going on, you know, and all you got to do is call in to uh, to win. So we make it pretty easy for you. And last but not least, let us not forget my friend Kelly and our friends at Metal Blade Records. This evening's spotlight band will be Kill Division and pretty much enjoyed the hell out of what I heard on that first, on, on this CD, which is their first. It's several members, uh, it's actually three members from several other bands that uh, when we get to them, and I and I tell you who they are, if you're a metalhead, you'll know who I'm talking about. So, uh, again, a, a pretty packed show. We got, we got plenty going on. Like I said, conceivably a DVD giveaway. And you know what? As a matter of fact, Let's go ahead and do that right now. I will take the first caller at one three four seven two three seven five zero nine nine, and that person will win a Blu-ray, Blu-ray copy of Chilling Visions and a standard DVD definition or yeah standard DVD standard definition DVD of George A. Romero's Day of the Dead. So first caller in at one three four seven two three seven five zero nine nine will win a Scream Factory prize pack, courtesy of our friends at Scream Factory and of course HorrorSociety.com. Well, since we got all of that out of the way, we shall move on to our horror news this evening. Kind of, I'm just gonna since I usually have a co-host and I don't this evening. Usually, I bounce the news off of them and ask their opinion. So I'm just going to give you the news and where I got it from, kind of give you my feel on it. You know, feel free on Horror Society or the Calling Hours uh, Facebook page. If you have any comments or questions about what we're doing, please feel free to uh, to post them there. So item number one on the agenda this evening comes from our friends at Fangoria.com. And at the New York Comic Convention 2013, uh, Fangoria's Michael Gingold will, uh, is hosting WWE Studios panel with the Soska Sisters and more. And again, this came from Fangoria.com. Um, and what we got here is the WWE Studios team are bringing horror villains, big and small, back to the movie screen this year. And one of the Fangoria gang will be helping to promote them at the New York Comic Con this weekend. Fangoria's Michael Gingle will host the WWE's Halloween Horror Panel at New York Comic Con on Sunday, October 13th at 1.30 p.m. in room 1A23. Attending will be the wrestling organization superstar Glenn Kane Jacobs and Dylan Hornswoggle Postal, the respective villainous leads of See No Evil 2 and Leprechaun Origins. 
Alongside of them will be Jen and Sylvia Soska, creators of American Mary, who are helming Evil 2, and Zach Lipovsky, director of the Leprechaun Revival, and WWE studio president Michael Lewisi. Uh, the New York Comic Con takes place at Manhattan's Jacob Javits Center. That's 11th Avenue between 34th and 38th Streets on uh, this Thursday through Sunday, October 10th through 13th. And you can check out more by visiting their official website. Well, you know, I, I think I've stated on the show before, um, it's no fa- uh, you know, big fact that I'm a huge pro wrestling fan, have been for years, and, uh, you know, I actually went and saw See No Evil when it originally came out, and I enjoyed it for what it was. You know, I wasn't expecting Kane, Glenn, Glenn Jacobs, to be an Academy Award-winning actor, but I found he played his role exactly as he should, and I'm looking forward to seeing how Jacob Goodnight comes back in the picture. And, um, you know, as for the Leprechaun Origins, I'm starting to hear more and more Good stuff, you know. It's 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 definitely horror based. They'll, they will both be R-rated horror movies, so we don't have anything to worry about there. And then, of course, you'll have uh, the Soska sisters there and the head of WWE Studios. You know, and it's and then I'll still say this: as funny as it is, with with wrestling becoming quote unquote PG and children's entertainment these days, the way Vince McMahon is trying to draw in the audiences, it's still very nice to see that. They are doing horror films and, you know, R-rated films on top of that. You know, you definitely have the characters to do that. You know, one of these days I might like to see Bray Wyatt, you know, or hopefully one of these days The Undertaker will do something new. I mean, I remember when he did the uh, Poltergeist The Legacy series, you know, he he went in as a character. You know, and then, of course, we had uh, um, Brodus Clay, of course, in, in the uh, No One Lives. So I mean it's 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 nice to see you know it's uh, mainstream horror somewhat um, speculation at this point on whether or not both of these will be theatrical releases I haven't seen anything affirming one way or the other on that but it's nice to see Fango uh, you know covering the convention and and you know WWE's horror films coming up so we'll keep an eye out on that and certainly if any more develops out of it any more surprises. We'll certainly let you know. Our second news item this evening comes from Showtime, or you know, once again, or from Bloody Disgusting, and um, they had an interesting article on there about Showtime wouldn't allow Dexter to die. And um, I was reading the gentleman's article, you know, really saying that he uh, he watched season five and six, you know, first episode of seven, you know, and and you know he really didn't care for it, but. Um, Basically, what this comes down to is, um, per Vulture, the network insisted Dex stay alive despite multiple proposed endings that would have had him dying. Producer John Goldwyn told the site, they won't let us kill him. Showtime was very clear about that. When we told them that Mark for the last season, they just said, just to be clear, he's going to live. There were a lot of endings discussed because it was a very interesting problem to solve, you know, to bring it to a close. You know, I, I mean, I've, I've heard that. You know, I'm a fan of, of Dexter. I haven't seen the last couple seasons, um, so, you know, so I can't speak on that. I certainly haven't seen the last episode yet. Um, I know what I've heard from people 
who saw the series and you know well, I, I don't want to say I don't want to say anything because I don't want to, to spoil it for anyone. But yes, Dexter lives, and you know some of the fan comments on it I found actually interesting. And you know I never thought of it from this perspective, but someone had made mention of the fact that you know there could be a spinoff series, which you know you're always going to hear rumors about that with any popular series. But then I saw someone write something about the possibility of them doing a film, you know, later on down the line. And, of course, if you kill Dexter off, you really have nowhere to go from that unless you do a prequel origin story, which it seems like everyone's doing these days. I don't know if that would really work for Dexter. I mean, you could go more into his you know, childhood and his teenage years leading up to him becoming what he became. But you know, it, it's almost funny, to, you know, someone mentioned it in the same vein as the X-Files, you know, doing something popular like that. I don't know how the author and the creator of the series feels. I, mean, I don't even know how how the lead character, you know, the lead actor feels about doing more on it. But uh, it seems like the majority of fans really, really bombed on the ending, and they wanted to see something else for Dexter. And, you know, will it be a movie? I don't know. Um, like I said, it, it'll just be a an, an interesting an interesting spin on the character. Should they decide to do it? So, I don't know. I don't know. Now, this one I do like. This one came from our friends at BloodyDisgusting.com as well. And a release date for Birth of the Living Dead documentary, um, which focuses on Romero's Night of the Living Dead, has been announced. And I'm just going to quote straight from the article here. Um, In 1968, a young college dropout named George A. Romero directed Night of the Living Dead a low-budget horror film that shocked the world, became an icon of counterculture, and spawned a zombie industry worth billions of dollars that continues to this day. Robert Kuhn's Birth of the Living Dead, a new documentary available on iTunes October 15th and limited theaters October 18th, shows how Romero gathered an unlikely team of Pittsburghians, Pittsburghers, uh, Interesting. Policemen, iron workers, teachers, admin, housewives, and a roller rink owner to shoot with a revolutionary guerrilla run-and-gun style, his seminal film. During that process, Romero and his team created an entirely new and horribly chilling monster, one that was undead and feasted upon human flesh. This new documentary also immerses audiences into the singular time in which night was shot. Archival footage of the horrors of the Vietnam and racial violence at home, combined with iconic music from the 60s, invites viewers to experience how Romero's tumultuous film reflected this period in American history. Birth of the Living Dead shows us how this young filmmaker created a world-renowned horror film that was also a profound insight into how our society really works. And if you head over to bloody to bloodydisgusting.com, they do have it's a sweet poster and they do have a trailer for it. And you know, I never get tired of seeing Night of the Living Dead stuff, you know, especially when it pertains to the original. None of the remakes, nothing like that. Romero's originals. And you know, it's funny we're 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 getting more and more and more and more and some of it may may be a rehash, but I, you know, from what I've seen of the trailer, being able to see some of this this older footage from the 60s and just hearing the story about 
how Romero put it together and and basically got a bunch of non-actors to help him out with his film. You know, a lot of times these days, you know, everyone wants to be famous, you know. You're not going to be able to get, you know, 100 people to come out for free anymore. It's 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 very hard to do. You know, obviously the people that did it, you know, either loved him or or you know, believed in his process for work. I mean, this was basically the film that put him on the map and is, you know, still to this day probably one of the most influential horror films of all time. So, you know, I'm with my luck, of course, again, living in Raleigh, North Carolina, the odds of it playing any theaters out here are probably slim and none. But if it's going to be in a city, and I'm assuming it's going to play in Pittsburgh, of course, if you're in that area, I would certainly go see the film. You know, um, I, you know, I, I definitely hope that it does well. Um, I will definitely be looking to pick it up. You know, and as soon as I do, I will certainly do a review on it. And if any, you know, if anyone out there happens to uh, to see it. You know, feel free to call in one night and uh, tell us about it, because I have a feeling a lot of fans want to know more. But uh, just to reiterate, once again, uh, we are running a DVD contest right now. If you would like to win a copy of Psycho 3 on – no, excuse me. We're going to go ahead and still be giving away that Chilling Visions Blu-ray and a copy of a standard definition – copy of Day of the Dead by George Romero, both from Shout or Shout Scream Factory. All you have to do is give us a call at one three four seven two three seven five zero nine nine to win. Once again, if you would like to win a prize pack from Scream Factory, a Blu ray of Chilling Visions and a standard definition D V D of Day of the Dead by them, please give us a call at three four seven two three seven Five zero nine nine. So on to our next bit of news. Um, Image has acquired the Memphis Three pick, The Devil's Knot, and this is also from our friends at Bloody Disgusting. Uh, Image Entertainment nabbed distribution rights to Adam Egoin Egoins. I hope I said that right. Crime thriller. Devil's Knot, which premiered last month at the the Toronto Film Festival. Image, a division of Maryland-based RLJ Entertainment, plans to release the film next year in the second quarter. Devil's Knot, about the West Memphis Three killings, stars Colin Firth and Reese Witherspoon. The film, which received mostly mixed reviews at Toronto, is based on Mara Leverett's book, Devil's Knot. The True Story of the West Memphis Three. Um, Quote, Reese Witherspoon delivers a stellar emotional performance displaying her versatility by transforming herself as a vulnerable mother trying to make sense of her son's death, says Bill Bromley, Chief Acquisition Officer for Image. The film was written by Scott Derrickson, Sinister, and Paul Harrison Boardman, who also produced alongside Elizabeth Fowler, Richard Saperstein, Clark Peterson, and Christopher Woodrow of Worldview Entertainment. Dimension Films was to originally distribute the picture. You know, uh, you know, I'm, of course, I'm I'm interested to see the film. You know, it's 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 crazy what happened with that court case. It's terrible about the murders. 
you know, whether you believe the boys were, you know, whether they were innocent, whether they were guilty, whether they were framed, you know, I, I, I still think it could be an interesting film to look at. It's, um, it, you know, like I said, you can draw your, your own conclusions on what really happened, who, you know, who did what. Um, I think it's interesting that Dimension was originally to distribute it. I wonder, I wonder if there was fear of, you know, what, you know, the content, you know, since we're talking about like a teenage, you know, teenagers being murdered and things like that. Um, figured this would probably get more of, of, of a run, um, it doesn't say anything else about it getting any further theatrical distribution. I mean, if it does, congratulations to Image. I mean, you know, it's they've put out some nice stuff over the years. I was, you know, it's nice to see another company get something good out there. Um, again, I have not had a chance to see this. If any of our listeners out there have, you know, it, it would definitely be interesting to hear your opinions on the film. You know, I, I've read mixed reviews where people have said it was good, said it was bad, and. I'm not going to bomb on it, uh, you know, or praise it one way or the other without having seen it. But um, I just thought, again, that it was interesting. You know, Image Image has been known to put out great product in the past with their DVD releases. So maybe this is something that we'll see a little bit later on. So on to our next bit of news. And I'm sure this will have plenty of people talking. Is Harrison Ford set to star in Blade Runner 2? I picked up this little tidbit on Arrow in the Head. Quote, uh, yeah, we've been chatting about it. Unquote. That's Harrison Ford's answer to IGN's recent question regarding his participation in the forthcoming Blade Runner sequel, which Ridley Scott has been attempting to mount for quite some time. The film was confirmed to be happening last year, but has not gained much steam as far as we can tell. But this is encouraging news for folks wondering if Rick Deckard is returning. Back in May, Blade Runner 2 production company Alcon Entertainment announced that it had hired Michael Green uh, from the Green Lantern to write the sequel screenplay, which was originally penned by Hampton Fancher. Available story details, of course... Are close to nothing. Alcon co-founders and co-chief executive officers Broderick Johnson and Andrew Kosov will produce Blade Runner 2 with Bud Yorkin and Cynthia Sykes Yorkin, along with Ridley Scott. Frank Guestra and Tim Gamble, CEOs of Thunderbird Films, will serve as executive producers. Alcon and Yorkin previously announced that they are partnering to produce. Blade Runner theatrical sequels and prequels, in addition to all television and interactive productions. That opens it up to a lot as well. I mean, I don't know how many of you are, are fans of Blade Runner, and, you know, having heard all the rumors about is Harrison Ford going to come back and play Han Solo in the new Star Wars, yeah, I'm more excited about this than uh, than I am the Star Wars, to be honest with you. Blade Runner was was an excellent film. You know, we've we've seen several different cuts of it and everything over the years. And uh, Scream Factory's listening. That'd be a great one to put out. But you know, besides the point, you know, some people would argue, you know, is, is Harrison too old? You know, what about his character? I, you know, I don't know. It'd be nice to see. You know, Harrison Ford going back to his roots. Um, 
What I do find really interesting, um, theatrical sequels and prequels, in addition to all television and interactive productions. Now, what I may, what we may wind up seeing, which could be something really crazy, is we could see a Blade Runner video game, especially with the next generation Xbox, uh, the Xbox One and the PlayStation Four. You know, and I can only imagine, you know, what you could do on one of those. You know, could we see a TV series? Uh, let's hope it doesn't go the route of Teen Wolf and wind up on MTV because there's no telling what we'll get then. You know, I don't know if I want to see Harrison Ford in something like that. It kind of scares me. But um, that's something to definitely to, to look out for, you know, because, you know, when I saw this news, I, I went online and tried to find anything I could about a sequel, and there really is no info. But it's... Um, I mean, I'm sure that's going to pique a lot of few people's interest that Harrison Ford is definitely at least in discussion uh, for a Blade Runner sequel. So we will definitely have to keep an eye on that and see if anything comes of it. So, you know, he he did Indiana Jones again. He, he might do Han Solo again. Why not finish this one out? So, now I know this one will probably have people jumping around. Doctor Who's Matt Smith will become an American psycho for the UK stage. And I got this info off of Arrow in the head as well. Um, here we quote, That American psycho musical we've been reporting on for a while, since 2008, in fact, has finally found its Patrick Bateman. And he's a Brit. Not so strange, considering that Christian Bale is as well. Matt Smith, who played Doctor Who from 2010 to 2013, has been handed the lead role in American Psycho the Musical. The show will run at London's Almedia Theatre from December 3rd to January 25th, 2014. Based upon Brett Easton Ellis's novel, The Tale of the Homicidal Yuppie in 80s Manhattan was adapted by Tony Award-winning composers Duncan Sheik and Roberto Aguari Sacasa. Carry remake. Uh, Rupert Gould will direct. Smith will soon be seen will soon be seen playing the villain in Ryan Gosling's directorial debut, How to Catch a Monster, co-starring Christina Hendricks, uh, Sarai's Ronan, and Eva Mendez. Um, for more information on the musical, please visit its official Facebook page. Um, I'll be the first one to tell you uh, as far as the Doctor Who side of it goes. Um, I, I was never really a Doctor Who fan. I've seen some of the older stuff. So in that term, I don't really know Matt Smith, you know, as Doctor Who or or anything like that. But it's going to be interesting to see. You know, we've seen several other horror films, you know, be turned into musicals, you know, Night of the Living Dead, uh, Evil Dead, stuff like that. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what they really do with this and, and how you can really bring it to the stage. Um, hopefully it'll come over here to the U.S. I mean, I, I would definitely love to see it. So I guess we'll just have to see what happens with that. But it's definitely some interesting news. Um, and I know Doctor Who fans are probably jumping all over this. So definitely check the Facebook page out on that, and uh, especially if you're a Doctor Who fan or an American Psycho fan. So... Now, I got this the other day, and, and this one goes towards one of my favorite directors, and I hope my boy Nico at Cult Labs is listening. 
Um, I got a press release, and uh, this is, comes off HorrorSociety.com where I posted it. German angst on Kickstarter 10-10-2013. It's a press release, and it reads, We need your support. Three maverick German directors bring you three urban nightmares in a fascinating horror anthology and present a new vision of the genre. German Angst is an extreme horror collaboration between George Budigret, who one of my absolute favorite films, Necromantic, um, uh, Andreas Marshall, Tears of Kali, Masks, and Michael Kozowski, Zero Killed, that leads you into the dark alleyways of contemporary Berlin in stories of love, sex, and death. The first episode, George Budigret's Final Girl, tells the story of a young girl who lives alone with her guinea pig in a rundown apartment in Berlin. But is she really alone? In the bedroom lies a man bound and gagged. In the episode Our Own by Andreas Marshall, a young man stumbles upon a secret sex club in Berlin's nightlife that promises the ultimate sexual frontier experience by using a drug made from the roots of the legendary Mandragora plant. But the ecstatic experiences have horrific side effects. And Make-A-Wish by Michael Kozakowski is a disturbing fable in which a deaf-mute couple of Polish origin are attacked by a sadistic neo-Nazi gang. In possession of a powerful amulet, the couple try to turn the tables on their assailants and wreak a terrible revenge, albeit paying a heavy price. German Angst celebrates the return of cult director George Budigret after a 20-year absence from horror filmmaking, while Andreas Marshall continues his exploration of a dark underworld embossed by lust, sex, and the psyche. And Michael Kozakowski confronts us with violence in all levels of society today and throws the viewer's preconceptions back on themselves. Whether a hardcore horror fan or a newcomer to the genre, film lovers everywhere can look forward to a terrifying visual feast. Um, starting October 10th, you can sponsor, you know, you can donate to the Kickstarter for this. Um, Let's see, what else have we got? There'll be giveaways, um, signed limited editions, and more. Uh, for more info on that, visit www.german-angst.com or check them out on Facebook. Um, look, look for German Angst Movie. Um, something else that goes hand-in-hand hand with that, and if you're in Los Angeles and Austin, Texas, you're lucky bastards. George will be uh, making appearances, and there will be screens of Necromantic um, October 24th at the Beyond Festival at the American Cinematheque Egyptian Theater in Los Angeles. And on October 26th, Housecore Horror Film Festival in Austin, Texas. So those of you that live out there, if you don't go, shame on you. That's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. You know, I'm excited for all three, but... Definitely for George. I mean, the necromantic films were extremely brutal. They're not for everyone. If you're easily offended or have a weak stomach, I wouldn't suggest that you go see it. Um, but for those of you that are into the extreme horror and, and are for looking and are looking for something that pushed the envelope at its time, 
that's a movie to go see, and, and you should definitely go out and support that. And <clears throat> excuse me, you know, support support the film. Definitely head over to the Kickstarter. Um, you know, this this could wind up being something pretty good, I think. And you know, the poster art for it's really sweet too. So definitely head on over and uh, check that out. I have a call on hold. Let me see who my caller is. Hello, caller. You are on the calling hours with the dead man. Is this me here? Yes. Who who am I speaking with? Uh, This is Ashcat. Hey, Ashcat, you're a little early. Really? I was called (laughs) 830. (laughs) No, it's supposed to be 845 to uh, to 930 this evening. I mean, you're welcome to stay on it. What's that? Uh, 8.45, okay. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll have to call back. Okay, sounds good, man. All right, nice talk to you. <laughs> All right, man. Bye. Bye. That was Ash Cat, who is the composer for Candyland, and we'll be speaking with the cast and crew for that film here very shortly. So, again, if you can, uh, if you can go to these events out in California or in Texas, you should definitely go. So, uh, let's get this one in. Jolie Richards cast in Arnold Schwarzenegger's zombie film. And I got this one on on my on our Horror Society site as well. Uh, um, we have great writers at Horror Society. You should really, if you haven't been to HorrorSociety.com and really checked out the articles, come check out the stuff that, you know, Mike Hoovenall, uh we have uh, Mike D up there in Jersey. We got Mac. You know, we have Holly Von Doom, and we've got uh, Mitch, the brains behind it all. You don't want to draw his ire. I'm going to have him on the show sooner or later. You guys should definitely get to know Mitch. Mitch is a good guy. But uh, Jolie Richardson cast in Arnold Schwarzenegger's zombie film. In casting news today, Jolie Richardson has been cast as Arnold Schwarzenegger's wife in the upcoming upcoming zombie flick, Maggie. Richardson will join Abigail Breslin, who plays their their daughter that's infected by a zombie virus. The film has already began production in New Orleans. Um, I don't know too much about this film, but, if, you know, you can't have the zombie genre, I guess, without Alma Schwarzenegger at least once. So, uh, uh, you know, I don't know if this is going to, you know, this is going to be, you know, Terminator Arnold or Predator Arnold out there fighting the zombie apocalypse or what we're going to get. I'm sure we could get some really good one-liners out of all this as well. You know, I don't know if he's going to tell anyone to get to the chopper or anything like that, but uh, <laughs> it could be highly entertaining, you know, to say the least. And if I'm pretty sure with Arnold being in the film, we'll have our fair share of explosions and guns and gore and... It'll be interesting to see. I, you know, I don't know. I never figured Arnold to do a zombie flick, but I'm not going to crap on him for doing it. I mean, hey, if he wants to do a zombie film, I'm all for it. So that's pretty much our news for the evening. Uh, the only other thing I've got would be uh, World War Z sequel to get new director. Now, I have not seen World War Z yet, so I can't even speak on that. Um, but uh, what I've got here is that Pitt has stated before that a sequel was always in the picture, but now they will find a new director. While speaking to The Hollywood Reporter, 
Pitt states that his plan B also in developing a sequel to Z, boy, that was just worded entirely strange, which still is in its uh, nascent stages, though director Mark Forster won't be back. We are talking about it, says Pitt, and we are going to investigate a script. We have a lot of ideas we will call from. Nobody is writing just yet, but we are compiling our ideas. So I don't know. I don't know who I would like to see direct it. Um, I still have to see the first one before I can pass any judgment. But obviously it did more than well enough to warrant a sequel. So we shall have to wait and see what happens with that. But uh, in about nine minutes, we're going to start doing our interview with the cast and crew of Candyland. I believe we may take some call-ins while they're on air if people want to ask questions. Um, You're going to have the director, you're going to have two of the producers, several of the actors, and the the film's composer on. So it's going to be wild, I think. Uh, My man over at Fright Tech Pictures, Eddie, he... Seems like quite the guy, so I'm sure he put together quite the crew for this film. So, before we get to all that, though, we are going to have our first Spotlight edition, uh, our first Metal Blade Records Spotlight. The band tonight is Kill Division, and uh, we've put together uh, an interesting mix of songs, I think. The name of the CD is Destructive Force. And we're going to play the intro to the CD, and uh, then we're going to play one of the, the lead songs. So let's start off with Kill Divisions. Destructive Force is the name of the CD, and this is the Kill Division March.
that was Metal Blade Records Kill Division. The name of the CD was Destructive Force. The first song was The Kill Division March, and the second song was Master Manipulator. Once again, welcome to the Calling Hours. This evening, we will be interviewing the cast and crew of Candyland. And as a matter of fact, it looks like right now I have the director, Eddie. And Eddie, could you please say your last name so that we can get it correct? Absolutely, Mike. How you doing, buddy? It's Eddie Lingal. Good, brother. How you doing? And we have someone else. Who is my other caller? Hi, this is Janine Sarnowski. Hello. Hello, Janine. <laughs> hey, hey, well, Eddie. Hi, we have, director, <laughs> we have the director of Candyland, and we have one of the producers and actresses, Janine. Guys, uh, welcome to the calling hours. Thank you for calling in. Yeah, glad to be here. You're, you're welcome. Glad well, to be here, um, Mike. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, I've, I've been looking forward to this, too, and, and i got to tell you, I'm looking forward to seeing the movie. Um, you were nice enough to hook me up with Janine earlier, and Janine took part in my Deadly Beauty series on HorrorSociety.com, and when it came time to do the radio interview, this was certainly a, a good call to bring her on. So, and oh, yeah, Janine did. Janine's got lots of hits, so... You know, it, it's nice to see fans checking into it. Um, while we're waiting for, for the rest of the guests to call in, um, where to even start? Uh, let's start with the director. <laughs> Eddie, let's start with you. This, this of course, is not your, this is not your first film. Um, you know, of course, I had heard of Hell Week before when it came out, but kind of give the listeners an idea of what else you've done in the genre and how did Candyland come to be? Well, let's see. Janine and I worked together, what, Janine, was that three years ago on Melons? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, about three years. We, <laughs> well, actually, no, Janine, you and I met back in 2006 during Cracked with Greg, remember? Oh, yeah, that's right. Cracked was the first one. <laughs> <laughs> I died in the toilet. <laughs> yeah. I guess there are worse ways to go, but none come to mind right away. Uh, not here yeah. either, no. <laughs> well, um, we, we'd rather we'd rather not discuss crack though, because we were almost done with the film, and then the lead actor kind of uh, he cracked on us. <laughs> we kind of vanished. We weren't able to finish. <laughs> it happens it sometimes. Happens. I've seen it happen. We've got another caller. Let's see who else is joining the party. Hello, caller. Hello. You are on the calling hours. Who are we Hi, speaking with? Uh, is this, this is Ash? Ash, yeah. Ash has joined us. Yes, Ash. We've also got Eddie on the on the line, and we've got Janine. Um, Ash, you were the uh, music composer for the film. Is that correct? Uh, correct. Okay. Tell us a little bit how you got involved with uh, with Eddie and Janine in this project. Uh, well, uh, um. Short version. I, I mean, I moved back to Ohio three years ago, and a friend of mine was making a film, and that just led to meeting lots of people, getting involved in different projects, and then uh, Eddie and I sort of became acquainted through Noel, and it went from there. Now, Janine, um, we're not we're not skipping over you. How did you how did you decide to become a producer on the project? Oh, Eddie asked me, and I'll do anything he asked. Just about. <laughs> See, that could be dangerous in the film industry. I, I learned early I on well, set I said that just you about. don't volunteer I said a lot. Just about. 
<laughs> no, he's great to work with, and, and I don't know about the title, but I tried to uh, do as much as I could to help him out, and it was it's a worthy project, you know? I mean, it was a riot to be on. Well, let me say something, Mike, real quick. Without Jean, there would be no Candyland. Honestly, she's being very humble about it. She got us the lake. She got us the greenhouse. She got us the barn, and she got us the house. So without Janine, there would absolutely not be a candy land, and at least not in the form that we have it now. <laughs> right. She's, she supplied everything, and Janine, you did. I mean, without you, we wouldn't have had that wonderful location. I mean, really. Yeah, we did get some good locations. Well, I was glad that it worked out. I mean, you know, you cross your fingers even when you do this, but that doesn't mean you're going to get them. But we got them. <laughs> and, Mike, you don't know what we're talking about, but like if, if you see, obviously in the trailer, you see them walking up on that really cool greenhouse, and then they're inside that house when Candy's destroying the kids, you know, and then there's a barn shot. Janine got us all those locations, so we really got lucky. I'm forever grateful to Janine. Smooch, well, like smooch. I, said, I mean, I, I personally cannot, cannot wait to see the film. Um, and you guys recently had your premiere. Now, um, now for you, Ash, just just to give people some more background on you, um, can you kind of tell everyone, um, you know, like what else, what other films have you worked on? What else have you done musically that that people can identify with? Uh, this is the first, actually. Okay. Yeah. Now, you know, what led what 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 led you to getting into the film, though? I mean. Film comp, you know, music composition for film. When a lot of people take that for granted, um, having worked mm-hmm. on film myself and seen seen the editing process and and how much it changes your perspective, you know, where did you get the ideas for the music for the film, you know, and and were there any films that you that you took as inspiration for the film? Uh, well, I mean, start with. I mean, I, I had a general scoring style. It's something I, it, you know, something I've been wanting to do for many years. I was a little aimless as a young person, so I kind of just lived life then. But then, you know, now it's time to actually pursue a career. And um, uh, so I had a style already going into it. And then uh, you have Eddie, who um, had uh, certain expectations or, like, things that he wanted that were very different from what I do. And I saw that as an opportunity to take on new um, styles. And um, try new things, and uh, um, and of course there's little nods if you when you get a chance to see the film you'll you'll hear little nods to other horror films in there. But generally, I think what you got is you got um, you got sort of a a lush atmospheric style that I am used to, and then you've got uh, this strong influence of the very first um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre film. Um, nice. Very percussive, very percussive. The ambiance, but, but much more on the percussive side. And I think when you listen to Katie Lynn, you hear a really nice, happy middle between those two things. Nice. Now, what did now? What did you think, Eddie? When you when you guys sat down to edit the film and you you listened to to what Ash put together for a score, you know, how much did it change the the, the tone of the film for you once you had the music in? Oh man, it 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 changed it dramatically. It really did. Um, Ash Ash knocked it out of the park, man. He really did. He did a great job. Yeah. He was working on a, on another film, and some you know that's how I found out about Ash, his music from his other film that he was working on, and I really liked his his, his style. He has kind of this uh, throwback style. I liked the theme that he did for this other film that we actually ended up using on our film. And uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of explained him what I wanted, and 
he he knocked it out of the park, man. Um, yeah, he came through. Yeah, yeah. That's why I want him on the show because I feel he deserved to get uh, you know get his name out there because without Hash, you know, again the movie would have been you know a whole different ball, with uh, a whole been a whole different feel. Ash set the feel for the movie. He really did. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Now, on, on the production, you know, of, of course, you know, you had a, an acting role in the film as well, Janine, but kind of explain to to the audience, you know, your role as a producer, and, you know, there are several different types of producers. You have your executive producers, your associate producers, and so on and so forth, but what about being a producer, especially on a horror film, do you find to be appealing? What, you know... What does that bring differently than just being an actor or an actress on a set? I think you become more involved in the film as a whole. Um, anytime you do anything more than the acting, it becomes a little piece of you too. Um, so if you're, whether you're involved in uh, getting locations or food or just assisting the director and the executive producer or being a gopher or whatever it may be. Um, that film becomes, you know, your baby too, and you put a little bit more into it, whether it be the acting or, or anything you're involved in. So, it made this movie a little bit more mine, you know, not just being in it, but a little bit mine. Sure, sure. I mean, you know, um, when I when you talk about like supplying things, when um, I did my first film, uh, Forever Dead, um, you know, at the I had no idea I was going to get a producer's credit and. You'd be surprised. Neither did having, I. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, you probably will understand what I'm about to say. Then it's weird how, you know, being an effects artist or or you know uh, an actor, you know, is one thing. But the minute you put the word producer next to your name, everybody wants to start talking to you. Whether yeah. you've done anything big or not, it, there's there's just something about the title of producer that certainly draws people in. Now, as, oh, yeah. as we have brought up as well. You know, you've done your fair share of acting. Do you want to tell everyone a little bit more about some of the other roles and other films that you've worked on? Oh, gosh. I've, yeah, I've been in a bunch of them. Uh, Melonheads with Eddie and Cracked and Chill, uh, Dying to Meet You, A uh, Long Slow Death of a 20-something. Uh, I was even a pedestrian in I, Alex Cross. Uh, oh. I don't know. There's a... A numerous. Lately, I've been getting a little bit bigger roles, but I love my character roles. You know, I like being. Yeah, the... those are fun. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like we have another cast member calling in. Let's see who we have. Hello, caller. This is the calling hours. Who are we speaking with? Hi, you're speaking with Alex Russo. Aha, Alex Russo. Alex, baby. Hey, Alex, how you doing? Hey, God, how are you? <laughs> it's Asia. She's our lesbian in the movie. <laughs> what a terrible hey, role to play, I mean. <laughs> well, welcome to the show. Um, you know, we have, um, uh, <laughs> boy, this is just a big, this is just big. I, I like having this. I like having a bunch of people. We have, of course, we have Eddie, and we have Janine on, and, of course, we have Ash, and, you know, now we have Alex. Alex, tell us a little bit about your role in the film, and uh, we'll, we'll get to the special effects here in a second. 
Oh, man. I, uh, my role in this film was very interesting. Um, I played one of the models and was the first model to die, but that's all good. I played the lesbian in the film, so I hit on a couple of the girls, a couple of the other models. Some of them like the attention and some of them don't. And as you might know, my fate possibly with the eyes and the effects. I, no, I have not seen the film yet, but I, I do know that you do a little. Um, I've, I've looked at your Facebook and stuff, and seen that you do a little bit of effects work as well. Um, that I don't do effects work. Ooh, did I? Ooh, I mixed you up with somebody. I apologize for that. I could have sworn That's I saw okay. some effects work, but um, <laughs> well, well, tell us a little bit more about some of the other work that you've done. Then, um, certainly, this is it, this is not your first film project. No, um, the Candyland was actually my third film. Um, I, I was in a couple ones before that, and um, I think to date I have 22 films under my belt. Damn. So um, they, they're cool. I mean, they're all different genres, and I basically travel uh, pretty much anywhere where I'm needed, so that's kind of cool looking into uh, possibly moving to L.A. in 2015, so that's kind of in question right now. Yeah, um, okay, I see where I made my confusion. Uh, of course, I see on here that you did MTV's Parental Control, Reno 911, Dying to Meet You, which, of course, Janine is in. Um, yeah. And then uh, Monogahala, is that how you pronounce that? Uh, Monogahala. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure how to pronounce that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Monongahela should be coming out like probably next year. I, I got I got some word that the progress is, is coming along smoothly and it's almost done, but it's a long movie, so hmm. it's going to be probably at least a couple of hours. Well, hey, I mean, it's a way to get noticed. Definitely, I like longer definitely. films. Definitely. So. <laughs> well, let's let's turn this a little bit more towards Candyland here. Um, sure. Now, in the film, um, you of course, we have Don Kilrain, who we're hoping will we'll call in this evening. He was one of the other producers, and he's he's the lead in the film. Um, from the pictures, uh, looks like a very physically intimidating man. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I can only tell. I mean, there's that one where he's with, um, I can't remember the actress's name right now, but he just Molly? towers. Yes. That yeah. I have the picture on uh, Blog Talk for one of the pictures for the show, and he just absolutely dwarfs that poor girl. It, it, it's creepy looking to see that, but um, you know, you guys also had um, two other people on set: um, Ari Lehman, who of course was the original Jason in the original Friday the Thirteenth, and right. um, you had Lisa Neal on set as well. Um, who started to go on and do more things, but was also um, a centerfold model. Now, when you when you move up in terms of of casting, like um, like I did three films where it was all local talent, and then the last film I did, out of the blue, we brought in Sonny Landham. You know, and it and it brings a whole different presence to your film set when you when you bring in someone who's done, you know. Big films, you know, like he did Predator in 48 Hours and, you know, Ari with Friday the 13th. And, of course, he's got his band and everything now. But um, from everything that you guys have worked on in the past till Candyland, how how much different was the set having 
I mean, I guess you could call Ari a legend. He was the first Jason. What was it like working with someone like that? And please, I would I'd like to get that from all of you. Oh, I, I, he had some great ideas. He was funny. Um, plays a mean guitar, too. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he was fun to work with. I, I, I loved it out at the lake when he was out there, too. He was a riot. How about the rest of you guys? What's that, Ari? Yeah. Yeah. What was it? What was it work, like working with the original Jason? Hmm. Well, he kept us on fun. task. That's for sure. He did what? <laughs> he kept us on task. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I, let, let me say this. I tell you what, Mike. He uh, he's a consummate pro. I mean. He knows what he wants. Uh, he's very direct. As a matter of fact, he actually ended up directing one of the scenes. He kind of like just took over. And the first <laughs> kill scene in the greenhouse, Janine, the very first kill scene, you guys, in the movie, Ari actually yeah. was like directing a lot of that. He really was. Yeah. It was a joint. It was a, it was a, it was a collaborative effort. It was me, Ari, and, and, and uh, Noel, and actually the special effects guy. But we, you know, we all kind of uh-huh. collaborated. But Ari definitely... He had a, a pretty strong vision on that scene, you know. I mean, he was great. I mean, he really brought us uh, some professionals, and at least to that scene, I thought was 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 handled very well, you know. So I have to ask you, Ash, when you were when you were doing the score and everything, did did you ever just did you have that minute urge to throw in a you know a stinger from <laughs> Friday the Thirteenth when he was on screen? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, I did. That was a, that was a definite temptation. Um, I didn't do it because essentially he plays a very, very different character in the movie. Like there's, you know, there's almost no connection whatsoever other than the fact that he's Ari Lehman, you know, so, um, but I thought about it for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Now let's, 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 let's talk about, um, um, the character of Candy for the most part. Let's talk about, uh, you know, the monster, the main bad guy in the film that, that Don plays. Um, it's got to be difficult these days, in my mind, as a filmmaker. I recently had um, uh, Matt Farnsworth on, who directed uh, The Orphan Killer, which I think is an excellent um, new slasher film. You know, the character to me, you know, you could see basis of, of defined characters like a Michael or a Jason, but... He found a way to set his character apart. What did you guys try to do, you know, with the character that Don plays to set it apart? And, you know, how, you know, what are your main goal? What was your main goal in trying to establish him as something different than just another Michael or just another Jason or just another Leatherface? Well, I, I, I would say whoever wants to answer what, it, please. <laughs> what sets that apart is is his sidekick Molly. You know, I I've always said that without Molly, Janine, you know what I mean? He he really is just Michael Myers or, or Jason or Leatherface. But since he's got like a little sidekick, Mike, who happens to be like four foot one, it kind of adds a little panache to it to the character because you really don't know what her part is, and and I, I really can't say because then we'll give it away and spoil it. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. So. There's an ambivalence there throughout the film, and you, the audience has to kind of figure it out on their own, and they will get it by the end of the film, whose side she's on, you know? But, yeah, that's what makes her, her different, makes him different, I mean. 
you know. Right. Yeah. Other than that, though, he's a silent killer. He doesn't talk, you know. Um, he's a silent Michael Myers type killer, Jason type, you know. And he's got the size. What he's six foot five, two hundred and fifty pounds. So he is pretty menacing. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I definitely got that impression looking at the pictures. I mean, even in real life, <laughs> <laughs> you know. I mean, it's, you know, I don't consider myself a small guy. You know, I'm six two and go about two forty, and you know, I'm not a little dude. But when I looked at his the pictures of him, especially in that mask. Um, and that's something I wanted to talk to you about, too, because, again, that was something that I thought was really cool about um, what Matt did with the Orphan Killer um, was the merchandising and the promotion. Um, they put out a really nice uh, imitation of the mask that's available uh, right now in, like, Hot Topic and Halloween stores, and that's amazing when you consider the fact that it's an indie film not signed to... A major label. Um, what are your, you know, are, are you guys, are you looking to have it picked up for major distribution? Are you looking to go more the indie round and show it at festivals? You know, what are you guys looking at from that perspective? Um, real quick, if I may, can, can I plug myself? I got a. You I please. Have That's why you're on here. Store. Yeah. All, yeah, all, all of you will be plugging yourself by the end of the show, yeah. I promise. But please. <laughs> I, I have. I open up an online Halloween store, and it's www.shriekyfreaky.com. But Shrieky is spelled S-H-R-E-A-K-Y, so it's shriekyfreaky.com. And you know what, Mike? I, I actually carry Farnsworth's mask. I, I have the Orphan Killer's mask on my website. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, that's made by Trick or Treat Studios. It's an awesome mask. He did a great job with that, you know. Yeah, I've got it sitting on one of my lampshades. So it stares at people we, when they come into the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Don and I but, talked about doing that, but later down the road, because the mask is actually Don's face. He, we went to Monster Makers down in Cleveland, and he bought the kit, and he actually molded the face. So that's actually Don's face. So he would, you know, we talked about maybe doing that down the road next year, next year maybe. Um, Alex, is Alex still here? I think we lost Alex. Alex? Did we lose her? I Alex. think we did. She dropped. She dropped off the menu. Alex, if you're listening, please call back in. <laughs> Ash, you're still here, right? Yes, I'm here right now. Okay, we still have we still have Ash. We still have Eddie, and we still have Janine. So I'm here. <laughs> let me let me ask you this. It's um. With so many horror films coming out, um, you know, and we had talked about how important music is, you know, and, you know, your actors and your actresses, what have you been trying to do promotional-wise? I mean, on face, you know, Facebook is is where I found out about the film, and, and of course, Eddie and I have been chatting back and forth, at, um, you know, not on a daily basis, but pretty close. Um but what are you what are you looking at in terms of of marketing and what you're going to do with the film now? Because you just recently had your your premiere, and um, you know, tell tell us how that went. Each of you tell us how that went for you. You know, what was what was the premiere like, and you know, what are you looking to do with the film after this? You start, Eddie. I me? Oh, well, yeah. I thought the premiere was was overall was a pretty pretty good pretty successful. I don't know what do you guys think, Jane. Ash. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, it was. It was fun too. Yeah. 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 People really enjoyed I, it. Uh, 
we we had people there who had no idea what we were filming, but they were owners of some of the locations and that, and uh, uh, they came away saying it was great to see their place, but it, it was also creepy, and oh my God, that guy was spooky as heck, and oh, the little girl, and oh, this, and oh, ick, and yeah, a lot of good comments about it, and they're waiting uh, desperately to either buy it, uh, I've had so many requests for that, or is it going to be shown again so they can come and bring their friends, uh, the word spreading. Now, I mean, now what do you guys think? Are you thinking, Eddie, are you thinking more about doing the 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 indie route and just doing the festivals, looking for someone to pick it up? Or, you know, and it's not to keep well, bringing up Matt, but but Matt's model was such a, a brilliant idea. He has just promoted it to the point now where, you know, it seems like everyone knows about this film. And, and like I said, that's rare when you think about it not having a major company or distribution behind it. Yeah, I, I feel bad for that guy. I've talked to him a few times on Facebook, and his movie's been illegally downloaded 1.2 million times, man. Yeah. So I don't know if he'll get that movie picked up uh, from a distributor because it's so pirated all over. So we're being extra, extra cautious with our film. That's why I'm not sending out any DVD screeners. I'll probably want to like upload it to a cloud, hopefully. You know, right. and I'm I'm real sketchy about sending it to festivals just because of that, just this just that reason alone. You know, you get your pir- if it gets pirated, man, you're screwed. You have to watch well, out for I, that. You know, so and, I don't. And let's do let's but, do the numbers on that for a minute. Let's stop and think about that. We're talking about a million illegal downloads, right? Yeah. Even if you sold the movie at, I don't know, let's just say. Nine bucks, ten bucks on iTunes. You know, I guess that's pretty standard for to buy a movie on iTunes. You know, you're talking about a movie that would have brought in ten million dollars on downloads alone. You know, are, are you are you surprised to hear that? And you know, how do you how do you feel about what some of the the major players are putting out these days? And I have another call. Let's find out who this caller is. Hello, caller. This is the calling hours. Who am I speaking with? Hi, this is Molly Miller. Um, Eddie Langle told me to call in. I'm one of the actors in Candyland. Well, hey, Molly. Most excellent. Hey, Molly. Hi. Hi, how are you guys? <laughs> Molly. Molly. Hey, Eddie. hey what's up? <laughs> Little Molly. Like, like hey. she, she, like, she, she plays Janine's daughter in the film. She's like yeah. one of the stars. She's the little person. Yeah. She's the little, little yeah. So she's Candy's sidekick. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, we're gonna get to the questions on that then in a minute. But um, yep. but just real quick to get back to that question, um, you know, do you think the studios are starting to take notice of what what guys like you are doing, like you and Matt are doing? Yeah, they are because uh, I had a I was friends. Well, I not friends, but I met Dan Schneider. Through marketing, you know, internet, and um, Dan, he used to run Indican Pictures, and so Dan and I, he was a contact for me over at Indican, and I've been in contact with Indican now ooh, for about a year, and they've been patiently waiting for a screener. So fingers crossed, if everything goes as planned, Mike, we're hoping you know we send them a screener and they like the film and they pick it up for us for worldwide distribution. That's that's well, I mean, that's what that's I'm hoping what for. Certainly. Now, um, let me ask Ash this. Um, 
and and again, like I said, I, I don't mean to keep bringing up Matt and what he did, but one of the nice features that he added to the DVD was they made the soundtrack available as part of the film. Um, you know, how would you feel about doing something like that? I mean, how cool would it be to have, you know, the musical score and the soundtrack from the film, you know, out there with your name on it? Uh, I'd be down with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, if people if people wanted to have it, sure. I mean, there's a you know there's always a set out there that likes film score uh, records CDs. There, um, you know, there's usually there's usually like three or four standalone songs on it, and the rest of it's like ambient, you know, uh, incidental background stuff. But there are people who get into that, myself included. So yeah, I would love that. I mean, I would love that too. Because that's more sales. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, and you know, nowadays it's it's a lot easier to get the soundtrack out without having to press a CD with the advent of iTunes and everything as well. So I mean, I I think that would be. Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying you're you're right, and you don't necessarily have to have a label uh, anymore either. It, It can help, but you don't have to have it. Right, you know, and, and, you know, great great word of mouth definitely gets things out there. So, well, let me, let me ask little Molly a few questions here. Since we were, we were talking about the amazing height differential between you and Don, I was looking at some of the set picks, and I, I just kept looking at it, and I was like, oh, my God. I mean, yeah, you know, like I was telling them. Yeah, height difference. <laughs> you know, I, I'm 6'2", my ex-wife was 4'11", and I felt like that was just a huge height difference. I mean, what was it like being on set? And the one in particular, the picture that gets to me is, I don't know if it's outside of the barn or if it's in the woods, but it's kind of like you against a shed or a house, and you're just looking up at him. I mean, oh, of course, yeah. you know you know him, but I mean, how... How intimidating was that with him in full makeup on set? Um, well, at first it was a little intimidating, um, but I kind of prepared that way. Um, like, when you're an actor, you find a way to make yourself feel that emotion for real. Like, I'm normally always comfortable around Don. He's a really cool guy. So I had to kind of... Um, get rid of that previous, like, relationship and try to, like, make it work in the movie where I was intimidated by him or scared. So, right. Um, yeah, I just thought of something, like, I don't know, I thought of him being mad at me for something, you you know, just to give me that emotion, and it and it worked. It worked on film, so it it's really not intimidating for me, the size difference. Right. Plus, he's such a goofball. <laughs> you, just don't get, you, just, you just don't get that from the pictures, you know. <laughs> well, how, yeah. did you, how did you how did you initially get involved with Candyland? I mean, did Eddie find you? I mean, was it working with Janine before? I mean, you know, no, how, how actually, did you get involved? I, I got involved. I um, I've been acting for a couple years, and I started going out and auditioning and. I just saw that there was an audition for one of their other movies they were casting for, The Hauler. And I think this was two, two and a half years ago now. I auditioned for a different movie for them. And um, and then they went, decided to go with a completely different project. And they wrote the character Tiny for me. 
in this film because they liked me so much, and I thought that was so awesome. <laughs> well, like yeah. I said, I mean, I, I certainly can't wait. And now, did you did you attend the premiere as well? I did. I did. The premiere was great. Well, I mean, now, what what would you guys say overall from from the opening? What do you feel like the fans were drawn to the most? You know, was it was it the character? You know, because there are just certain things about certain movies. What what was the most that you guys received compliments about? Oh, the most compliments. Ooh, um, that's that's a tough one. We got lots of compliments. We the overall quality of the film, the storyline. Everybody loved the storyline and how, especially how um, I was friends with the killer. Like they. They didn't see that twist coming at first. So. You told them. Oh, <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> well, now, fr- now from 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 each perspective, you know, from from an actress's perspective, we we've got that. Now, what about you as producer, Janine? What did what were you hearing from from the crowd at at the premiere? You know, that you may have either been surprised or you were like, yes, we nailed that. I mean, what were you hearing? Well, there was a combination. I, I think we were all a little surprised at the fact that it it could uh, mold from some comedy that showed up uh, and just showed up fantastically and surprised everybody, and then to jump right into um, a horrible scene, to go from a ha-ha to a horrible and yet keep the story flowing. The people just thought that was great, that there was a little bit of everything tied into the movie and they were surprised and I was still getting comments weeks after they had seen it which you know it's like okay yes <laughs> we did it we got it <laughs> right Eddie yeah that's great yeah and you know it's funny too Mike because I was kind of worried because you know Janine was in another film the chill movie and that had a lot of comedy and that was that's what made the movie fun for me Janine was the comedy in chill and I was really worried that Candy was going to fall short because it was when I wrote it, I distinctly wrote it without uh, a comedic, you know, thought. I, I didn't want it to be comedic. I wanted it to be a straight up, you know, kind of a serious slasher. But one of the actors, a uh, heavier set guy, Hot Carl, he's a stand-up comedian here in Cleveland, and he just, you know, he came through with the com- the comedic uh, personality that he has, even when he wasn't trying to be funny. He ended up being funny. And it just added yeah, like, he was the whole thing. Yeah, it, yeah. it added. It, it fulfilled the whole movie. You know, it was that little added touch that really plugged it. Uh, I mean, every every little part, people were just uh, uh, sickened by some of the wonderful gore. And we got <laughs> comments on that, and our special effects were fantastic. Um, we had such fantastic people in it, uh, Molly and Alex and Tina and Helena. I mean... Uh, hot Carl, everybody that was in it um, just did a superb job. I know Eddie was proud of everybody, and so was Don. Mm-hmm. And yourself, Jane. Yeah. <laughs> and me, and me, <laughs> and you. <laughs> well, Ash, now, now let me ask you this, too. Now, what what feedback have you received from your work on the film? I mean, were people, you know, did people talk to you about the soundtrack? You know, I mean, what what kind of vibes are you getting off of the people? Um. Mostly, I've spoken to people who were, you know, in it or involved in the film, and and uh, all the feedback was was pretty positive. I mean, I uh, 
there was an after party um, after the premiere, and I introduced myself to all the cast members. I just gave them my first name, and they immediately knew who I was, even though we hadn't met. And um, yeah, that was pretty nice. It, it seems to be a people people seem to be responding pretty well to it. So. Well, like I said, I mean, it's it's definitely something I hope to see in a festival sometime soon, you know. Oh, you've got to see it. Yes, you have to see it. <laughs> well, I'm, you know, I'm down here in Raleigh, North Carolina, and we don't really get a lot of horror festivals. We have one in Charlotte, but there's not one actually in Raleigh. But when the time comes, if you guys still haven't distributed, I do know there's the Nevermore Film Festival in Durham. And they do. it's a horror sci-fi three-day film festival. So I will send you guys the info for that because I would love to have the film down here. Oh yeah. And, you know, being 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 a, one of the one of the writers for Horror Society, you know, I, I definitely I'm pretty sure that Horror Society might be willing to uh, sponsor the film. I'll, I'll have to talk to Mitch, but I don't I don't see how that would be an issue. But, oh um, great. We're coming down to our last ten minutes of the interview, so I, I definitely want you guys to plug yourselves. I you know websites films coming up you know what's next for you and um ash let's start with you man uh, i'm shopping for an agent right now somebody who can uh you know uh get my name out there get jobs you know find me uh more jobs scoring films um i'm also an actor i i'm in a film called chill and one other really obscure film um my but, son uh, Yes, 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 your son, yes. <laughs> my son. <laughs> yeah. So, There's my daughter so there, and this one. <laughs> There's that. I, I, I intend to pursue both avenues, but, like, right now I'm shopping for a, an agent to represent me as a composer, and that's uh, – they're hard to find, and I'm, I'm finding out, <laughs> you know. But, uh, well, Ash, so you yeah, if you don't have to look any further, brother, I'll be your agent. I'm already writing two other scripts, man, for next year. I'm going to need you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. Do you have an official website or anything that if people want to go check you out, you can send them there, Facebook, anything like that? I'm working on that. I am on Facebook, you know, basically Ash Cat, just as my name is spelled you know, with a K and two T's. And, uh, you can find me on there. We're working on a we're working on a music page, and the website is down the road. You know, it's all really fine. the only obstacles are financial right now. So I understand that. Being indie myself, I, I trust me. I know how it goes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Molly, how about you? Oh, um, uh, there's a lot going on for me right now. I'm I'm in a play. I've never really done a theater production for I'm, before. I mostly do film stuff. So um, I'm in my first musical, in a local musical called Babes in Toyland. It's a Christmas play, and um, I'm also training on the side to be a stunt double for kids in film. So I travel once a month uh, to Madison, Ohio, to train at a martial arts studio, and we do uh, really cool stuff like jumping out of moving vehicles and falling from heights and all that so, well, see, there you go, Eddie. When, when you're ready to start doing bigger stunts, you know who to call for sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you have an official website or a Facebook page you would like to send people to? I wish I did. I am currently working on that as well, and I'm scoping out agents to represent me. So it's in the works. Excellent. Excellent. Janine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here. I'm Your turn. doing... 
Oh, I do everything. I have uh, a jewelry store that I've been running for 11 years out of my house, and I supply a lot of jewelry and costumes and that for a lot of the local indie films. Um, I am doing working on the figure. Uh, I'm working on Dark and Disturbing. I just finished three TV commercials. Uh, I was going to do a play, but I just don't have time for theater right now. Uh, I've got another movie coming up, and hopefully I'll be working with Eddie again if he's coming up with anything. <laughs> um, I also work part-time. I'm also a minister. I also write some music. I also write stories, and I'm hoping to direct and produce uh, a film with a friend of mine and get that out next year. So I try to keep a little busy. You know, for an old lady, I, I just get bored too easy. <laughs> <laughs> of course, now you have your two Facebook pages. Is there an official website or anything that you would want people to visit? Uh, I'm updating my website right now. Matter of fact, uh, I have my one TV friend is doing my website for me, so I hope that will come out soon, and then I'll post that out. Nice, nice. And, and don't forget, for those of you that are listening, that once again, Janine did take part in my Deadly Beauty series on HorrorSociety.com. And Molly, when you get a chance, if you would like to be a part of that, I would love to send you the questions. Sure, that would be awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, get on there. That was really cool. Thank you so much for letting me be part oh, of no, that. Oh, no, I mean, it, it just, you know, it, drew, it draws a lot of, of, of attention. Um, and I'm looking... That one in particular is, you know, for women in horror, and I am looking to expand out into, you know, music and directors and things like that. I, I have another interview series called Talking with the Dead, which is um, a rather long interview series that I, I will definitely be hitting many of you up with uh, for requests oh, on yeah. that. But Please um, do. Let's, oh, for sure, for sure. Well, let's not forget the man of the hour here, Eddie. Eddie, uh, Eddie, real quick before you, our hero, yeah, before you start answering all those, tell everyone how Fright Tech Pictures came to be. Oh, geez. I was working um, in a club down in Cleveland back in 2004, and the owner and I became pretty good friends, and this is the short version. He had a lot of money, and uh, he wanted to get into uh, you know doing movies, and we just were kind of kicking around one day, and... We uh, he came up with a name called Fright uh, Tech, Fright Magic Cinema, and then long story short, we were going to do Hell Week together, him and I, and then at the last minute we had a falling out, and shocker, right guys? Can you imagine someone having a falling out with me, right? <laughs> in the film industry, no everybody way loves you, Eddie. Who could fall out with you? <laughs> <laughs> but, Never. Uh, yeah, the day before we started shooting Hell Week, he, he bailed, and uh, I had to get a replacement. Thank God I had a friend that would do it. <laughs> and um, Anyway, so I had to rename the company, and I'm sitting around, and I'm a, I've been a, a lifelong DJ. I've been DJing since 1987. So I'm thinking, nice. Fright Magic Cinema, what could I name it? I'm thinking, okay, how about I'm techie, techie, DJ, digital, something like really cool, you know? So I'm like, I changed it from Fright Magic Cinema to Fright Tech Pictures. Which I like so much better, anyways, than quite magic cinema. <laughs> so that's kind of how that. That's kind of how that happened. That's how I got my start. So, excuse me. Well, now that we know that, and you know, of course we we are all all of us out here are eagerly anticipating seeing Candyland. What's next? I mean, um, not to give it away, <laughs> but 
you know, as as it is with most horror films, I'm assuming that there could be a sequel, yes? Hmm. <laughs> Maybe. I think I think hmm. it should be a tiny movie. A movie about the tiny. I think that would be great. <laughs> that, that would be cool. Yeah. The love you know, with Tiny and Jonah? Hmm. <laughs> that, that, that could be an interesting spinoff there. People probably wouldn't see that one coming. <laughs> no, I, well, I, I, I so many different Stephen King stuff, you know? Like have her like raise the dead or some stuff like that. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I haven't but seen it. Me, I haven't seen it yet, but uh uh you know well, maybe, maybe we could ever for you. Well not that, <laughs> but we could have you whoop Chucky's ass or something like that. Or or the Leprechaun in the Leprechaun remake. Oh, mm, God. There we go. <laughs> That's what we need. I do have a leprechaun but, um, costume. Oh you just hang on. Me. Eddie's got Eddie's well, got all sorts of ideas. Yeah, um, for me though. He never I, quits pers- thinking. Personally for me though, uh, Candyland would be Definitely something a little down the road, um, just because that took two years to do that film, Mike, and it took a lot out of me. I mean, it took a lot out of me, you know. So for me, you know, I want to see how the movie bodes with the fans next year. You know what I mean? And um, hopefully it bodes well. And then, you know, we'll see from there. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't even entertain the thought of doing a sequel to probably 2015. You know, Correct. it would be down the road for sure. Do it before I already got it gets right. old, Eddie. Well, I have ideas for. Well, actually, my fiance and I were talking about. She came up with a title for a film called A Place for the Dead, and I'm really been like entertaining that. And that that's more of a zombie flick. So I haven't done a zombie flick yet. So. Oh man, I'll come. Hey, if you need help with effects on that, let me know. I'm dying to do another zombie film, man. For real. Oh, yeah, that know. might be a, a way to go. And then I have another film. Uh, that I'm thinking about doing. I'm not going to reveal the title right now. It's kind of hush hush top secret. But as we get closer, Those are always back, I'm writing. Projects. Yeah, I'm writing the script right now with a partner of mine. She's helping me write it, Chris Smith. So uh, I'll, you'll see it on Facebook when I decide to reveal it. You know, but yeah, for me, Candies would be a couple years down the road. You know, if if it were to happen. But of course, there there is the Fright Tech Facebook page, and there is the uh, the Candyland. Uh, I believe it's Candyland.com, is it not? The official website Candyland for the movie. movie. Candyland.com. Yeah, Candyland yeah. Mm-hmm. And there is one for and there is one for Fright Tech Pictures as well. Yes, is is now that one is yeah. uh, FrightTech.com, is it not? FrightTechProductions.com. No, no, that got shut down. We just have the Facebook now. Fright Tech Pictures. Oh, okay. okay. Facebook. Yeah, yeah, when I yeah. clicked on the link, it had said um, it had said under construction, so I didn't know if that was coming yeah. back or. It's gonna, okay. yeah. I'm gonna get one going again. I'm definitely gonna get one going again. I was focusing a lot this summer on my shriekyfreaky.com, the Halloween store. Well, I will so. definitely go and check that one out you know, just to see what it's all definitely. about, and you know, I have to order yeah. some stuff. Well, yeah, guys, I want to thank you. Stuff on there. <laughs> Does he? Yeah. Well, I, can't, yeah. I can't wait to check it out. <laughs> What's that? Well, guys, I want to thank you for coming on. I'm looking forward to seeing the film. Um, I love your energy. Um, Alex, I'm sorry if I upset you by calling you an effects artist as well. Um, <laughs> I wish you would call back. Um, you know, I would I would love to do uh, She also took part in um, the Deadly Beauty series. So that's a fascinating read. Make sure to check that out. Once again, um, you know, my guest this evening from Candyland, I had, um, and I hope I say your last name right, Eddie, Eddie uh, Lingal. Is that correct? Yeah, well, yeah okay. close enough. <laughs> okay. We had uh, Janine Bowles-Sarnowski. 
Sarnowski. Yep. I can never say your name right or spell it right for that matter. Well, the spelling you said. Yeah, I felt so bad about you that. You said it. You said it close enough. That was good. <laughs> um. So I want to thank all my guests for coming on. You all are more than welcome on on the radio show anytime. If you have news for Horror Society, please hit me up. I, I will be more than happy to post it for you guys. Did you have something else, Eddie? Yeah, real quick. Thank I don't, you for I don't having I don't want to be a Donner, guys, but uh, uh, Molly, Janine, T- uh, Mark, um, and Ash, um, I was just Facebooking Tina because Tina was supposed to be on tonight, and um, her father passed away, you guys. T- Tina's dad died I saw today. that uh, ten minutes before the show. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't oh want to be God. the one okay, to bring it up on air. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, Tina, Tina heartfelt hey, wishes Tina, to you. Really sorry. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you, you Michael, for having us. Anytime, yeah, and um, I'll get the I'll get the archive version of this to you guys tomorrow. Oh, thank you. Not yeah. a problem. Thank you very much. Yeah, Mike. Right, thanks guys, so thank much, you. man. You you you've been awesome for us. Thank you so much, buddy. Yeah. Anytime, Appreciate man. It. Anytime. All right, guys. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Later. All right. Bye. 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 And once again, that was the cast and crew from Candyland by Fright Tech Pictures. All seem like awesome people. Cannot wait to see this film. Um, from the sounds of it and what I've seen uh, people posting on the premiere page, it definitely seemed like it was a great time. It seems like they had a great time making the film. And uh, it sounds like it has a lot of potential. So make sure to go and check out Fright Tech Pictures. Uh, go and check out CandylandTheMovie.com. Check them out on Facebook. And uh, thank you again, guys. That that was a fun interview. But uh, shifting gears, we still have a DVD contest. We have a Blu-ray copy of Chilling Visions from Screen Factory to give away. We also have a standard definition DVD release of George A. Romero's Day of the Dead, also from Screen Factory. If you are the first caller at one three four seven two three seven five zero nine nine, they can be yours. But next, let's head back to our Metal Blade Records artist spotlight for the evening. We have Kill Division. And when we come back from our next song off of their new album, Destructive Force, we will give you a little bit of information on Kill Division. And we will also be discussing the Amityville Horror, the first movie in the Amityville Horror Trilogy Deluxe Collector's Edition that Screen Factory has graced us with. So we will be back in six minutes. The Metal Blade Record Spotlight is, of course, Kill Division. The album is Destructive Force. The name of the song is Destructive Force.
And that was Kill Division off of the CD, Destructive Force. Title of the song, Destructive Force. Once again, Kill Division is in our Metal Blade record spotlight for the evening. For those of you that don't know anything about Kill Division, Kill Division is a band that is comprised from other blasphemous and hard-hitting bands such as Legions of the Damned, God Dethrone, Asphyx, and Inhume. Uh, what we're looking at here, Susan Girl, uh, guitarist and lyric writer, Richard Ebish, guitars, bass, and vocals, and Roel Sanders on drums. Uh, you know, definitely a unique blend. Uh, you can hear influences of death, grind, and thrash metal in their work. But um, you can definitely tell, as I say in my review on HorrorSociety.com, this album is not a carbon copy of any of their previous work. Um, Kill Division, this this trio together seems like this is going to be something that's going to be fun to watch. Uh, European death metal never sounded this good. Um, I give it a 7 out of 10. It's definitely worth picking up. You can certainly get it uh, on iTunes. You can also get it, of course, directly from Metal Blade uh, on their official website and store. Um, highly, Again, a highly recommended album. Uh, uh, 11 tracks of just pure metal driving your brain out of your head. Uh, so definitely, definitely check this out. Great Metal Blade CD. Uh, great Metal Blade band. And... Uh, Next week's band's pretty interesting, too, so when we get to them, uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, once again, real quick, before we go into our Blu-ray Screen Factory DVD review for the evening, we still have a contest. We have a Blu-ray copy of Psycho 2 from Screen Factory, as well as a standard definition DVD release of George A. Romero's Day of the Dead. Just be the first caller at one three four seven two three seven five zero nine nine, and they are yours. It's a great, great prize pack from our friends at Scream Factory. But let us turn our attention to our friends at Scream Factory. One of the uh, the new releases from them um, came out October first was the Amityville Horror Trilogy box set. And I have to admit, being a little skeptical, uh, I should know better by now when it comes to Scream Factory. There's never an issue when it comes to the quality and the content of their DVDs. But, you know, just just being a film from that time frame, you know, it's it's certainly a movie I look back on with great nostalgia. Um, I mean, you, you just can't, you can't beat it. I mean... You know, the original Amityville Horror, you had a young James Brolin, and it it just blows my mind to see him in that movie. Margot Kidder, just looking um, just as amazingly beautiful as I always remembered her. And uh, we had Oscar winner Rod Steiger in the film as well. You know, just just an absolutely stunning, stunning piece of film. And, um, you know, those of you, of course, that are collectors and know about Scream Factory and things like that, you know that uh, a lot of times they do alternate artwork and things like that. And when you purchase this box set in particular, um, you will get the resp- uh, the exclusive 18 by 24 poster featuring the newly commissioned artwork. And um, there, there is a very, very limited edition uh, 
of those still available. So go out and get this set. That, that's the first thing. But tonight we're specifically going to cover the original Amityville Horror. Where to even begin with this? Um, you know, you guys should know the original story. Um, you know, for George and Kathy Lutz from the Amityville Horror, the colonial house on the river's edge seems ideal. Quaint, spacious, and amazingly affordable. Of course, six brutal murders had taken place just a year before, but houses don't have memories. Or do they? Soon the Lutz dream house becomes a hellish nightmare as walls begin to drip blood and satanic forces threaten to destroy them. Now the family must try to escape or forfeit their lives and their souls. One of the most talked about haunted house stories of all time the Amityville Horror's spine-tingling tale of a house possessed by unspeakable evil. And, of course, we had mentioned the film stars James Brolin, who was also in Christine and Traffic, Mario Kidder, um, Halloween 2 and Superman, and Rod Steiger in The Heat of the Night and Dr. Zhivago. Um, you know, definitely one of the classics of our genre, um, based on the book, of course, and alleged real events. You know, we can argue and speculate whether or not the house was really haunted, if it was a hoax. You know, I wasn't there. I, I couldn't tell you. You know, you have your, your people that tell you that the house is haunted and, and those that don't. And, um, you know, that's kind of reflected a little bit in the special features. Um, um, one of the new ones is an interview uh, entitled Haunted Melodies with composer uh, Lalo Schifrin. But um, the one that got me, and this was on a previous DVD release, was uh, For God's Sakes, Get Out. And it's a documentary with actors James Brolin and Margot Kidder. And, you know, they talk about their times on the set and, you know, um, you know how, they, how they portrayed their characters, you know, what acting methods they used, things along that line. And, um, you know, in particular, I found a lot, a lot of Margot Kidder's comments interesting. She, was, she had mentioned how... You know, several of the other actors, you know, whether they believed it or not, played it, you know, as if it was real. And, you know, she had mentioned and initially, she, you know, she did not. And it you know, changed her perspective of the role a little bit. But, you know, it, it's just interesting to see to see both of them. I mean, when you look at James Brolin now and, and you go back and you look at him in the Amityville Horror, especially in the high definition, I mean, it's it's just an incredible, incredible looking film just just from that perspective i mean i'm pretty sure everyone that's listening to the show has at least seen the original amityville horror you know the colors are great you know uh the sound just just everything about the film it, it's definitely a classic there's no other way to put that but um you know it, it it's definitely enlightening it's about a 20 it's about a 22 minute uh you know behind the scenes so it's definitely worth watching. There's also audio commentary with Dr. Hans Holzer, Ph.D. in parapsychology. Um, he's the author of Murder in Amityville. I've not had a chance to listen to that particular uh, track yet, but uh, I'm sure we'll offer offer some some insightful things to be to be sure. Of course, you know you have your obligatory. Uh, Theatrical trailers, TV spots, and radio spots, and and once again, as as I've said in the past, I have I've always found that adding the radio spots uh, and the TV spots in addition to the theatrical trailers, um, you know, it helps to 
frame the time, you know, when the movie came out. And it's, it's just fun to see how marketing has changed for for films, you know. In particular, you know, the, like I said, the radio spots. You really don't see that anymore, you know. It's I couldn't tell you the last time I heard a, a, a horror movie radio, quote-unquote, trailer. Um, but I've always found it to be an interesting marketing tool, especially in, in larger markets. So, it, you know, it's nice, once again, that, that Screen Factory goes to that depth to to bring us those types of features, you know, in a lot of ways where you can't get certain people for interviews and things along those lines. It's little features like that that really take you back to your to your childhood. And, and you know, the original one was, was a little bit before my time. I mean, hell, I was only three years old when the original Amityville came out. But I do remember, um, you know, of course I do remember it coming out and it, and it being a, you know, a popular film and, and one that certainly scared the hell out of me while I was growing up. I mean, it was it wasn't a movie to, to be trifling with. So, um, you know, highly recommended. I don't know if Scream Factory will be planning on releasing these as individual titles or not. That is something I will certainly ask my good friend Tom Chen and Sarah DeBrun over there at Scream Factory. They, uh, they're always on top of their game, and I'm sure they will let me know. But it, it is certainly worth picking up as a box set. Um, the box set will, you know, also includes Amityville 2 and Amityville 3D. And what's nice, and, and this alone really makes the box set worth picking up, I mean, regardless of anything else. The Amityville 3D movie is both the 2D version and the Blu-ray 3D presentation of the film available for the first time. So... Once again, I would definitely jump on this. Um, I think only 2,000 copies have been made that come with the exclusive poster. So I would tell you to definitely go ahead and get that. You're going to kick yourself later when this thing goes out of print and you wind up paying $200 for it on the Internet. But um, it's it's definitely worth checking out. Um, next week we will be doing a review of Amityville 2, The Possession. And um, before we go, there is one last chance to win a DVD set. We have a Blu-ray copy of Psycho 2 and a standard definition DVD release of George A. Romero's Day of the Dead from our friends at Scream Factory. Again, these are, you know, completely sealed, you know, brand new, ready to get out to you. So make that phone call, and uh, we're going to have some bigger prizes coming up from them soon. So really looking forward to that. But uh, we're heading into the last few moments of the show. Uh, once again, I would like to thank our guests this evening, the cast and crew from Candyland. Um, you know, just just absolutely amazing. I felt, uh, you know, they they really give us the info that we needed to know about about the film. Um, you know, they seem like a great bunch of filmmakers. I myself am highly anticipating seeing the film. Um, again, we had uh, Eddie uh, Lingell on. We had Janine Bowles Sarnowski. We had Ash Cat. We had Alex Ross. And oh my God, I feel so bad. I'm drawing a blank right this second. Hold on, let me get my names right. We had I had one that came in that I was not expecting. Where is it? Molly. Sorry, Molly. Wasn't trying to forget you. But, again, everyone make sure to go out and check this movie out. 
all indications from the trailer make it look like this is going to be something special. Um, again, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking at it like he's, he's kind of doing what Matt Farnsworth did with the orphan killer, and, and you guys that have been listening know what a fan I am of that. So once again, I want to say thank you to the cast and crew of Candyland for coming out and being on the show. I would like to say thank you to Metal Blade Records for allowing us to play some Kill Division and the closing song, which is coming up in just one moment. And thanks again to our friends at Scream Shout Factory for supplying us with a copy of the Amityville Horror Trilogy, which you can get on their official website. So once again, this is the dead man, Michael Jones, writer at HorrorSociety.com. Make sure to come check us out and our host of excellent writers on the site. To close the show out this evening, we have uh, an interesting band. I, I can't wait to review the full the full version of this. Uh, our spotlight band to close the night and to be the big dog next week is, and I hope I am pronouncing this right, Rivers of Nile. The name of the CD is The Conscious Seed of Light. And the song is Rain Eater. So until next week, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Dead Man from Horror Society. And until then, rest.